In the holy name of Jesus, we hear what Jesus proclaims today in the gospel, things of falling stars, falling powers, days as dark as night, of tribulation and condemnation, and heaven and earth just plain passing away. And we assume, perhaps justifiably so, that it's bad news. But St. Paul, for instance, as he writes to the Corinthians, helps us to balance this perspective. He says, We do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So let's apply St. Paul's language here. What Jesus describes, sun, moon, stars, heaven, earth, these things, these things that you can see, are transient. They are light. They are small. They will pass away And they do not register against the weight of the eternal glory of God. So, if they are to pass away, what does it matter to you? Well, of course it matters very much. Because, for one, we are very visual creatures. And, in fact, we're kind of, I think, more and more becoming visual creatures. We operate through what our eyes can see. We naturally, then give more attention to things that are seen than to things that are unseen. We give more attention to things that we can control, that we can manipulate, that we can understand. But St. Paul and Jesus agree. It is precisely all of these things that you can see that will not last. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, says Jesus, will not pass away. There is an old story that I like to tell my catechism class, my crossing kids, each year. It's about Elisha and the king of Syria. Now, Elisha is a prophet, so one of the perks of that is that God tells him the future. And, for instance, he uses this, um, he tells Elisha about the battle plans for the king of Syria. This is very frustrating for the king of Syria because the king of Israel then always is able to beat him to the punch. So, he finds out where Elisha is housed, is living, and he surrounds the entire city with horses and chariots and battalions and the whole bit. And one day, uh, Elisha's servant Gehazi, I imagine him, you know, bathrobe, cup of coffee, morning paper, Moses out in the morning, and what does he see? the entire city besieged by an entire Assyrian army. And he runs back inside and says, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha, calmly, if cryptically, replies, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than are with them. And he prays, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. Then the young servant's eyes are opened. And he sees, actually, that the entire city mount, 
is surrounded and teeming with fiery angels and horses and chariots of fire, all circling around Elisha. So no wonder the prophet is not afraid. He is not afraid because he sees reality. Now this story actually gets even weirder. Uh, I commend it to you in your own free time, 2 Kings chapter 6. But that's enough for us right now to understand what we're on about today. Our eyes do deceive us. Like this young servant, Gehazi, by nature we only see a small fraction of what is actually reality. We do not see the heavenly realm churning with fire around us on every side, at least not usually. We, usually, must instead follow St. Paul and look with faith toward those things that we do not see. It is exactly the point of Jesus' parable today in the Holy Gospel. God has not revealed to us the hour of his son's return And that is on purpose. The master of the house doesn't bother to inform his slaves or even the doorkeeper of even the approximate time of his arrival. And that is on purpose. And you, with your eyes, cannot see heavenly things. And that is on purpose. This is the reason, after all, we are saved through faith and through faith alone. Because... As St. Paul says, what is seen is transient. It doesn't last. And what is seen, or excuse me, what is unseen, by contrast, is those things that are eternal. All the things that we can see and prove and argue about and control are transient. But what is beyond us, what is out of our grasp, what we can't even see or comprehend, these are the eternal things. It must be by faith, by faith in unseen things, that we are saved. Otherwise, our salvation, by definition, would not be eternal. It would be transient, and even it would pass away. And we can see how this unfolds even in our own day. This is pretty straightforward. Uh, As an example, in no time in history have people ever had more information at their fingertips than you have right now in your pocket. Leave it in your pocket, please. But you have more information now than any person ever in the history of the world. People know more things than ever before. You can know anything. You can see the world live even. We can see what's going on in Afghanistan or in Switzerland or Botswana or anywhere else. We can even see what's happening in the chambers of power in Washington. We get leaks from behind closed doors. We are awash in data. We can see everything, it seems. But do you feel safer? Do you feel more secure? Has all of your data, has all of the inside information, all of the things that you can scroll through and see for yourself, has that saved you? It hasn't. And notice why. It hasn't saved you because... We see all this information displayed online for the world to see, but we don't know who to trust. We don't know who to listen to. 
We don't know which information to correlate which, with, with which cause and effect. We don't know who to trust. The world today, as we know it, suffers you know, not from lack of information. It suffers from lack of trust. We do not believe in each other anymore. We do not trust our rulers nor our gatekeepers. And so all this information at our fingertips only pulls us further apart and only makes us less secure. And it isn't that information is bad. It is simply that it will not save you. It isn't that all the things you see are bad, but they will not save you. Your ability to understand, your ability to know what's going on in your world or someone else's will not save you. The sun and moon and stars also, by the way, are not bad things. It's just that they will not save you. Even they will be here today, and Jesus promises, gone tomorrow. They will be rolled up like a garment, and they will be changed, says the prophet, and they will not save you. Faith will save you. Not what you know or what you see, but he in whom you trust. You do not know when he is coming, as we said, and that is on purpose. But you do trust that he is coming. He has suffered for you. He has spilled his blood for you on the cross. Will he desert you? Will he leave you wanting? Of course not. So what Jesus proclaims to us today seems to be bad news. He promises the falling apart of our world. And it isn't just the second coming either, is it? Now, it's not just like way down there at the end. You know, our world seems to fall apart on a regular basis. The powers of this world, whoever they may be, are often, historically, shaken. And Jesus often visits judgment upon the kingdoms of this world. And this may seem like bad news. It isn't. As we heard last week, when things start to fall apart, straighten up. Lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. When the world seems to falter on its axis, that is your cue. Lean in, then, to the work that God has given you to do. Rededicate your efforts to what God has called you to to being a father or a mother or a husband or a wife or a brother or a sister or a brother or a sister in Christ in this place. Times of tribulation are actually open season for you guys. Open season for Christians. This is what we were baptized for. What the world, uh, when the world begins to end, when the stars begin to fall and the sun doesn't shine anymore, it's only so that you will shine all the more with the light of Christ as you love and serve and submit to and sacrifice for one another. We rejoice to see the world falter. Not because we have, like, schadenfreude, but we rejoice to see the things that look permanent, that everyone thinks are trustworthy. We rejoice when those things are shaken because then and only then can their true character be discerned then and only then can things be unveiled and the actual truth of the matter be revealed. And then and only then can our Lord 
be revealed as the only thing that will not shake, as the only one who has died and risen for you and ascended into heaven and therefore lives and reigns to all eternity. You know, the world today is desperate for people, the type of people who do not trust this world. And that's you. And you can hear, I think, a note of vigor, a note of excitement in Jesus' last words here today because he looks you in the eye and he says, stay awake because you're not going to want to miss this. In the holy name of Jesus.